On this episode, we're talking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It finally came out. We're doing it. And I have a special interview at the tail end of this episode. But first, we have to talk the horror movie trailers from the big game. The Did they just bleep that out? The Super. You gotta be fucking kidding me. The superb owl, the big game, whatever you wanna call it, we're talking horror movie trailers. And we're kicking it off with this Doctor Strange in the Mouth of Madness, or what? what is this shit called? The Multiverse of Madness. And I'll be honest with you, I kept hearing horror movie, horror movie, horror vibes, and that was obviously very exciting to me. And then I watched the trailer and I really did not get that. I got sci-fi vibes all day and maybe some Lovecraft stuff in there, but it was not as horror-centric as I was led to believe. But it does look good. It does look good. Benedict Cumberbatch is back. And they've done a good job teasing it. There's some people in the shadows in the trailer. Like, oh, who's that? Oh, it looks like some sort of mysterious council. Who's who's the council? Is it the X-Men? We don't don't know. This might be the first Marvel movie that I see in theater since Endgame? Whichever one had uh, the purple guy. Oh, big perps. Because they have not gotten me into a theater since. That was that was the wrap up phase one whatever the fuck uh, done. I'm kind of comic book movied out, and this might be the one to, that pulls me back in until I see that the running time is three hours and twenty five minutes. Cause it's Sam Raimi, and you know, we love Sam Raimi here in Slasherville. Let's see how long this fucking movie is. Doctor Strange, mouth of multiverse of madness. Ooh, do they not have a runtime? They're like, don't tell anybody. They're going to be pissed. It's so long. No, we do not have a runtime yet. This one is coming out in May. So we're still a couple months away from this one. No runtime? How is there no runtime for this? This is coming out soon. Doctor Strange 2 runtime. Doctor Strange early cut runtime is currently three hours long. All right, so we'll see what they do in the editing room. Trim it down. Leave some of that. Leave some of it. Make a second movie. I just, on our Patreon, uh, I'm putting out an article. And the author had seven reasons why Halloween 1979 holds up and eight reasons it doesn't. And it's like, bruh, just do two articles. Just do two articles. I hope they're not screwing themselves here making this movie too long. Split it up. Fuck it. People are going to go see your Marvel movies. Just do it right. Protect us. Protect our bladders. Because I can't do three hours. I'm terrified about the new Batman. Because once again, I hear horror things about that. And I will see that in theaters. We'll see. So just trim these movies down. The other horror movie trailer from the Super... They did it again? The other horror movie trailer from the big game was Jordan Peele's Nope. And this one, also Patreon-exclusive trailer reaction video. Yeah, guys, got to get on the Patreon. Patreon.com slash slash RevealPod. And this one looks bananas. I don't think we're going to get fooled or misled because with us, you kind of knew, you know, doppelgangers of some sort, but you didn't know what it was. 
you know, was it experiments or, you know, what was the origin of this? And the way it played out wasn't what many people were expecting. This one, nope, looks like an alien horror movie. And you watch the trailer and alien horror movie. And since the poster came out, you know, many, many months ago, people were speculating alien horror movie. And I'll tell you, that's what it looks like. And I'm excited about it because it looks great. Now, are there going to be twists and turns in there? Yes. Are we the aliens? Maybe. Are people watching us from above? Possibly. That's one of my little theories because everybody's looking up and there's clearly like some action happening up in the sky. But there was one shot in the trailer and I, I do it on the Patreon. Uh, we slow it down. Like this is a Pruder film. Back and to the left, I see an alien. But because there's one shot uh, up in the sky and you... It's a ring, a ring of lights in the sky. And normally you would think, well, yeah, saucer, spaceship, duh, hello. But it almost looked like it was people standing up there, at least a little bit to me, like some sort of observation room. Maybe they're watching us. Maybe we're in like a prison and, you know, we're their pets or something. I don't know. It's going to be something like that. It's going to be aliens. They're not shying away from that, but the relation, why they're here, who they are, who we are, that's going to be the twist, I imagine. And I'm, I'm super excited about that because I, I really liked Get Out. Us was good, and I am all in on Jordan Peele's Nope. When is that coming out? Nope. First off, Nope running time because apparently that's important to me. The running time for this film is unavailable. Oh, why are they hiding it? Because they know. They know what they're doing. Although, he doesn't really have the longest movie, so I think we are safe with that. Uh, This one comes out in July, so we're getting some horror movies in the summer. We usually do. We usually do. Uh, A lot of us think, you know, fall, Halloween time. Usually one or two around that season. Uh, But the summer usually comes correct when it comes to horror movies. And it looks like 2022 is going to be no different. Nope. Multiverse of Madness. And I think uh, some other ones that we we looked at a couple weeks ago when we were hyping up horror movies of the year. And there was a good amount in the summer. So we're already off to a banging start in 2022 with Scream and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which we're going to get into here. And yeah, let's just keep it going. And I will watch... Anything that Jordan Peele writes and directs. I don't care if he's produced it. I'm not falling for that old Sam Raimi shit. But if he writes and directs it, I'm in. I'm on board. So I can't wait for Nope. And this is a good segue to the fact that it is Black History Month. And I wanted to talk about uh, influential black filmmakers and movies and uh, directors and all, all, all that stuff. Because Jordan Peele obviously qualifies. Uh, Elevating horror and just a super talented guy. I I love to see it. Uh, And he's sort of brought uh, the Candyman director. Her name is Nia DaCosta. That's what it is. Nia DaCosta kind of has her under his wing. And she's doing Candyman. I think some, some more movies coming out. And I love to see it. Because I don't think black horror films and black horror filmmakers get their just desserts. I don't think they get their props. Uh, but they will here in Slasherville. That is uh, for goddamn sure. And I'll tell you, I've had a hell of a week 
watching uh, black horror films or films directed by black filmmakers and have just had a really good time. Like, did you know Tales from the Crypt, uh, Demon Knight, directed uh, by, a, by a black man? Did, did not realize that. Uh, Ernest Dickerson, and I love that movie. I love it. And watching it, I didn't really realize, but Jada Pinkett's uh, character, a black woman, uh, is the lead character. There's so many characters in there, and for many people, Billy Zane's the main character. But yeah, she she is our lead. She's our, our, our heroine. And uh, I love it. I've always loved that movie. And uh, big props to Ernest R. Dickerson. Obviously, I talked Candyman. Uh, 2021 here by Nia DaCosta, uh, one of my favorite and most influential horror films is a trauma movie from 1990 called Death by Temptation. And this movie uh, was introduced to me because at that time I had gone down that trauma rabbit hole and I said, these movies are fucking bananas. And they also distribute movies. Obviously, they make their own but they will buy other films and distribute them. And Death by Temptation was one of those, and I, I still have it on DVD. Uh, I love it. Uh, Sam Jackson's first acting role is in Death by Temptation. And it's it's a very solid movie. Uh, so check that one out. I'm sure that's on. that's got to be on some of the streamings. So check that one out for sure. Uh, I was able to watch Tales from the Hood, always a classic. You don't need to watch Tales from the Hood too. I will say you can go ahead and skip Tales from the Hood too. And how about this horror film? You might have heard of it. It's called Night of the Living Dead. 1968, we've got a black man as our lead. Dwayne Jones playing Ben. That was a big deal. That was a big deal. And uh, Romero did not intend for that to have as much social impact as it did. Didn't even plan on casting a black man. Dwayne Jones got the gig because he fucking crushed it in the audition. He was the best actor for the role. So Romero said, yeah, you're the, you're the guy. You're Ben. And the rest is history. And when I went down my Black History Month, uh, black filmmaker rabbit hole, there were not as many as there should be. I, I still think we need to turn that corner. Let's get some more black filmmakers, some black horror films uh, in general. And let's just saturate the market with fucking horror movies of every color, from every culture. I don't give a shit. Get them out here. Uh, it's been fun, you know, with the Jordan Peele movies, because they, they always do have that, you know, that racial angle to the storytelling. And it's it's interesting. It's like, all right, you tell your story. I'm clearly an outsider over here taking it in. But it, it, it is interesting seeing seeing that point of view. And, of course, the movies are also super awesome, and it helps. So enjoy Black History Month. Watch some of these movies and keep an eye on some of these up-and-coming filmmakers because I think we've got some good things coming down the pipeline. Now it is time to talk Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. And there's a black character in that, and we're going to get to him, Dante. We're going to talk about Dante a little bit. Now, we've been waiting for this movie for months. The moment we heard that it got pulled from a theatrical run and Netflix picked it up and we said, oh, why is that? This is going to be dog shit. And you heard stories about the, the directors 
pulling out at the last minute, and they were replaced by the new director, David Blue Garcia. Hell of a name. Uh, he came in, scrapped what they did, reshot it, and that is sort of a yucky origin story. Usually those movies don't pan out too great, and you tell me what you thought of Texas Chainsaw Massacre as we get into it here. So this is uh, spoilers, of course. Spoilers abound for Texas Chainsaw. Give it a watch. It's under 90 minutes. Come on. You got 90 minutes. That's, that's one-fourth of Doctor Strange in the Mouth of Madness. Now, this movie was written by uh, the Don't Breathe writing team and directed by David Blue Garcia, who has mostly a cinematography background, uh, a lot of short films in there. And when the last trailer came out, I got very nervous because it showed a badass Sally Hardesty. And she, of course, is the final girl from the original film. And it was pretty obvious that this was just going to be Halloween 2018, but with Leatherface. The question was, would it work? The answer, yes. They fucking got John Larroquette back from the original. Also his first gig in Hollywood. So I love that they got him. Such a nice little nod and a nice little payday for Johnny Boy. Get paid. So cool. When we watched the trailer, I had to pause it a couple times because it looked like the kids go into this house that was Leatherface's house, but it wasn't isolated. It was on like Main Street. And I was curious about how that was going to play out. Well, it turns out that that is where Leatherface lives, but it's not the Sawyer house. That's actually an orphanage. And let's get into that. Before we do that, how about we talk about our protagonists? Because this is the whole movie is going to hinge on these guys here. Our protagonists are generally unlikable. We have the main girl, Melody. She's our final girl, our, our lead. And she's supposed to be strong, but is just annoying and mean. Her sister, Lily, is with her. And she's a school shooting survivor. Very topical stuff. Heavy. Heavy. And that's going to be her subplot in this movie. And then there's Dante, you know, the funny black friend. And I was fucking terrified. I said, oh, no, we can't do this. We're not doing this, are we? Luckily, it turns out Dante is going to be one of the better written characters and makes decisions that aren't totally ridiculous. There's also the hunky, gun-toting local who doesn't care for these outsiders here in Harlow. And then Sally Hardesty is going to show up a little later. Now these kids, and they are kids, they're like late teens, maybe early 20s if we're lucky here. But for whatever reason, the city of Harlow is abandoned. And these kids are going to show up and they're going to revitalize it. And they're going to bring prosperous peace and organic farm stands uh, to the area and, and all this shit. And just like in the script, because we covered the script, I don't remember if it was Slasherville uh, but we did look at the script, and I'll tell you right now, it's pretty close. It's pretty close to what we had, but it plays better in in the film here. It does play significantly better. So they show up to this town, but first, on their way there, they stop at a gas station. 
You know, you gotta you gotta fill up. This is where we meet these characters, and boy oh boy, are they annoying right off the fucking bat. Our final girl, Melody, uh, talks shit about the gun guy who's pumping gas next to her. He gets out. He's got his gun, you know, holster over there on on his hip. And, and she's talking shit. She says, who has such a small dick he needs to carry a gun in public? That line right there, I was worried. I said, oh, what are we doing? Is this going to be some social justice woke leatherface shit? What is happening? Uh, but he says, you know what? There are invading species here and feral hogs around. So that's why I carry this gun. Also, mind your business. Uh, which is right. That is the correct response. But yeah, she's busting his balls right away. Very ignorant. Very rude. Also, in this gas station scene, you know, Melody's in there, you know, getting pretzels. And her sister comes in and she calls Melody sis. Hey, sis, you got the pretzels? And th- that is one of my top three screenwriting sins. There are not many things lazier than just having a character call someone cuz, bro, sis, pops, to get that relation across. I hate that. When she said that line in the movie, and this is right after you know, the gun line, I was just about ready to give up on the movie. I said, fuck, 90 minutes, huh? I got 88 minutes to go. What am I going to do? But I kept going. For you guys... For Slasherville. However, these kids being annoying is no accident, at least in my opinion. I am pretty sure we are not meant to totally love these characters because they are not getting out of this movie alive. They are not surviving this one. So I think that was by design. They're interesting and sympathetic enough for us to care a little bit and follow them. But when they do meet their end, we're also not super upset. So our, our little woke mob here, uh, they get in their van and they make it to Harlow, which they plan to revitalize and all, all that stuff. And just like that scene that I mentioned from the script months ago where they pulled down a Confederate flag and all that shit. And we said, oh, no, there's no way that's in the movie, right? There's no way that's in there. It is 100%. In the movie, uh, Dante says, well, we can't just have a fucking Confederate flag hanging from our our new little revitalized city. Uh, So they go into this building to take it down, and it is that orphanage where Leatherface lives. But we don't really know that right away because living in that building is this old woman named Ginny. And I don't know if this is Leatherface's mom or his caretaker or what, but... They go in to take the flag down, and they do, and she jump scares them. What the fuck are you doing in here and all this? And they start squabbling about racism, and they start squabbling about who owns this orphanage. You know, she's like, I own this, and they're like, actually, what that what that deed say? So they're squabbling over the property. The, the fucking cops end up being called in to try to settle this, and during the argument... The old woman, Jenny, has a heart attack. Oh, 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 these goddamn kids are giving me such a hard time that I'm having a fucking heart attack. Ah. And she goes down. The cops calling out ambulance. Leatherface appears at the top of the stairs 
Sans mask in the shadows. Super cool shot. I do think this is a, a very well-directed movie. I will say that David Blue Garcia uh, does a very good job uh, with this film. And they're like, ah, she's having a heart attack. Get the ambulance here. And Leatherface appears at the top of the stairs. And he comes down. And the cops are like, ah, oh, don't worry about him. That's that's her boy. That's her boy. She calls him Leather. No, he doesn't say that. I do. I call him Leather. And he picks her up, this big, hulking, older figure, because that's where we're at. All of our slashers are senior citizens. And he gets her in the ambulance. He gets in there with her. Uh, and it's a really cool shot. I, I, I loved all of that stuff because I know who that is. We know who that is. You know, a little superior narration where we know what's going on, but the characters don't. And I'm on the edge of my seat already. Going, ah, fuck, that's Leatherface, guys. You can't just let him walk past you like that. You can't just stand there and live. The fuck are you doing standing there and living for? Uh, But they get in the ambulance. One of the woke mob kids also gets in. She's like, I've got to go with to make sure she's all right. Like, yeah, whatever. You're expendable. Go. And they do. They, they, They drive off while Melody her sister and Dante talk about this whole situation. The girls feel bad. Like, oh no, we gave that woman a heart attack and this and that. And Dante, I'm with Dante on this. He's like, we didn't do shit. Like she had fucking heart disease. Like <laughs> she probably eats like shit. We like, we own, we literally own this building. We, we're allowed to do these things that we're doing. And I'm on his side. And this is where the movie begins. We get all this motivation out of the way, why the kids are there, who they are, why we like or dislike them, why the town's abandoned, all this shit. Now, we're going to have some fun. In the ambulance, you got Leatherface, you have his mother slash caretaker. I still don't know who she is. And the ambulance drivers and the other girl. The other girl. And in that ambulance, the old woman dies they can't get her to the hospital fast enough she dies and holy fuck Leatherface did not like that because it looks like this woman was the only thing keeping the world safe from Leatherface he freaks out and starts killing people immediately ambulance guy in the back EMT uh, driver eh, ends up crashing the ambulance and we kind of watch it through the other girl's point of view. And she comes to in the passenger seat. There's some dead bodies there. Dead woman in the back seat. And she looks in the mirror, the passenger mirror. And behind the ambulance, she sees Leatherface over one of the EMTs. And he's carving his face off. And I said, I think I'm liking this movie. And then, unfortunately, we get that shot that's in the trailers where he's holding the face up to the sky. And I don't think we need that glory shot. I think we were good with the carving because it's pretty scary. The girl in the passenger seat does not make it out alive. Leatherface, of course, kills her. And then he's going to start making his way to town. Uh, the cops are going to find out about what just happened here. And one of them calls Sally Hardesty. And that's in the trailer as well. You know you're your friend. 
Leatherface, he's back. And Sally holding the photo that features her and all her friends from the original film. She looks at it and she says, okay, I'm on my way. And I'll tell you right now, I fucking hate every Sally Hardesty scene in this movie. It's clearly some Laurie Strode, Halloween 2018 shit. And it is not necessary in this movie at all. It's going to kill Act 3, which we're going to get to. Luckily, Act 2 is fucking bonkers. Back in town, you know, the kids are doing their thing, trying to you know, clean up the town, and we're going to save it and all this shit. A lot of stuff at the orphanage still. We do not get the Sawyer house in this, by the way. We do not get that iconic house. We're just here at the orphanage. And Leatherface makes his way back to the orphanage where Dante happens to be. And this is that scene from the trailer where he sees the reflection in the, the, the pots and the pans and he freaks out a little bit. And Leather gets him. And at first I thought this was just a weak off-screen death because we kind of only half see him give Dante the business. But Dante's not dead yet. So it wasn't a weak off-screen death. It was just a little bit of a setup because we're going to see Dante later trying to get out and it's a fucking awesome shot because we don't really know what happened to Dante we know Leather got him but not to what effect and when we see Dante later trying to make his way to the his people and we see that Leatherface pretty much almost cut like his jaw off and it is a, a brutal shot the effects some shots look good some look a little too CGI but I love the attempt. I love what they were going for. This movie's pretty violent. Pretty goddamn violent. Leatherface does not mess around. So while Leatherface is taking out Dante, Melody, our final girl, she doesn't like any of that. She ends up hiding in the house, in the orphanage, hiding in a closet. (sighs) Seems familiar, huh? And he starts causing chaos with his weapon of choice. You guessed it, his sledgehammer. You thought I was going to say chainsaw. And we talked about this uh, a month or so ago. His weapon of choice is the sledgehammer. He gets a lot of mileage out of it in the original, some of the other movies. And he does a lot of damage with it in this one too. Some of my favorite moments in this film are with the sledgehammer. Oh, it's 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 a more brutal weapon. It's a little more intimate. You have to put in a little more effort than with a chainsaw. You just kind of run somebody through with a chainsaw. That sledgehammer, you got to fucking put some muscle into that. Like, he kills the hunky, gun-toting Second Amendment guy uh, with a sledgehammer in brutal fashion, uh, takes it to the knee, fucks his leg all up, and then to the face once he downs him he just sledgehammers to the face again and again and again and again and they show all of it now some people will say that's too much they'll say that's too brutal that's too extreme but i don't i say keep going show me the pudding i i I loved it i didn't expect that either not from this movie i expected damn near pg-13 levels of violence some house of wax Paris Hilton level stuff, but we get significantly more violence in this. So kudos to them. The effects are pretty good. And then Leather goes into his mom's room, his caretaker's room, whatever she is, and he sits down at the vanity. Mm. 
And he starts putting the makeup on, the lipstick on, so we kind of get that classic Leatherface look. And I do love where the face comes from in this. I'm a big fan of why he snaps. This woman was the only one that he loved, that loved him, and she took care of him, he took care of her, and she protected us from him. She protected him from us, and the moment she died, all hell breaks loose, and I I love that. I love that catalyst so much. I think that's super cool. And you always wonder, you know, Leatherface, you know, he wears the skin face mask thing. Where do those faces come from? This sort of explains it, which some might say unnecessarily, but I think it's cool. He says, all right, I'm back in. I, I flipped that switch. Let me get that face. And it's just a random EMT face. And that's why we get that look the rest of the film. And I think, I think that's cool. And I want to go back and watch it so I can see that guy's face more, knowing that that's going to be on leather in like 10 minutes, just to see how accurate it is. I'd love for that to be me. It's like, what what role did you have? Well, I was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I played an EMT. I was only in there for about five minutes, really. But, oh, you know, Leatherface, how he wears the skin mask. That's my fucking face. What a role. That's a good get. So back at the orphanage, <laughs> Melody is trying to survive Leatherface, and he hits her with the sledgehammer in the fucking chest. And she goes flying flying down the stairs, through the floor, which is a really cool spot. She's down there doing her survival thing, trying to get out of that chainsaw stuff, and she kind of gets away. And this is where we get the bus scene. That's also in the trailer. And this sequence was everything that I wanted it to be. He messes those kids up. Try anything and you'll get canceled. Leatherface doesn't give a shit. It's amazing. And it it just keeps going and going. And I felt like more people kept coming onto the bus. Like, what's going on here? Oh, no, no, we're victims. It was just like, yeah, keep going out of the bus. Who's next? Unfortunately, this is when the movie slows down to a screeching halt. Act 3 gets bogged down by Sally Hardesty. She shows up, and it's all very boring and awkward. At one point, she has Leatherface dead to rights in a room in the orphanage. A lot of this takes place in the orphanage and on like that main street, so pretty budget-friendly. But she's got him dead to rights in this room with a shotgun aimed on him, and she pulls out that photo of her pals for like the eighth time. And she, you remember my friends? You remember what you did? And he doesn't. He has no fucking clue who she is, who those people are. And she gets so distraught by this Leatherface burn that she just lets him walk out of the room and onto that main street because that's where the finale is going to take place. So we got to get there somehow. And this is how they do it. Another rewrite would have been helpful is all I'm saying. There's got to be a better way to get down to the main street sequence besides her just letting him go like that's weak it makes her look like a fucking chump but i like the idea of leather not remembering sally or giving a damn about her he's a killing machine and this is my favorite leather face in the entire franchise hands 
down. I love it. I like the size. I like the way he walks. I like the violence. Everything is is top notch. Top fucking notch in this one. And eventually our boy Leather is going to kill Sally Hardesty in tremendous chainsaw fashion. And she urges the school shooting survivor sister, Lily, uh, to go stop Leather. Because, and I quote, he'll never stop hunting you. He never started hunting you. That line doesn't make any sense. We just established that he doesn't remember Sally, doesn't give a flying fuck about her. And then Sally's going to say, you got to kill him because he's going to hunt. He's never going to stop hunting you. He'll forever try to find you, which is a bold-faced lie. We just established that another rewrite would have been great, is all I'm saying. So Lily and our final girl, Melody, fight Leatherface. And Melody kills Leather with a chainsaw uppercut, which is fantastic. What a sweet sequence of words that is. A chainsaw uppercut. And then the sisters decide maybe Harlow is not the city for them. And they decide to drive off. You know, we're at the end of the movie here. Uh, and they're talking about, you know, what they'll do next. And uh, maybe this, maybe that. And then Leatherface shows up. He's not dead at all. He's alive. And he's pissed. Oh, is he pissed? He pulls Melody, our final girl, out of the car. Fires up the chainsaw. And saws her head off of her body. Holding it by the hair. So Lily can see as the car veers off. Credits. I didn't care for Act 3, but that ending makes up for any weakness that this movie had. If you're a fan of the ultraviolence, you like the gore, you like the effects, you like the fun stuff, this movie fucking delivers. That ending was amazing. I was floored. Floored! So Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 was a lot better than I expected it to be. And I say give it a watch for the cool deaths and the annoying kids being on the end of those deaths. Just a tremendous, tremendous movie. And I can't believe it. I expected coming into this saying, wow, this is one of the worst Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. You know, like once again, that theatrical to Netflix switch really set off some alarms for me, but I think they fucked up. They could have had this in theaters. It's got the name recognition. People know Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think they they could have done a a decent theatrical run, but fine. Put it on Netflix where I can watch it again and again. And man, that ending, guys. You You gotta give this one a shot. So this past week, I was able to talk with horror filmmaker Jason Pitts. So please enjoy this interview I have for you. And do not skip this interview. I know the temptation is always there with interview episodes, but this is a good one. We talked Jason Voorhees versus Bigfoot, for crying out loud. So if that doesn't have your attention, nothing will. So welcome to Slasherville horror filmmaker Jason Pitts. Welcome, Jason. What is up? Not much. Just... Just making Having movies. Yeah, making movies, <laughs> left and right. That's always a good day. That is always yeah. a good day, especially when they're scary movies. And we like to promote horror films and horror filmmakers here. And right now you have a couple horror short films, and you're promoting an Indiegogo for a feature. Is Lonely Echoes a feature? Break it down to me. 
and our, my sure. people. Um, so we the Lonely Echoes is part of a uh, series of short films called the Alone Saga, and uh, there's four of them. And the first one is called Alone, and it is available on YouTube. You can go search Jason Pitts Alone and watch it right now. It's 33 minutes long. It did really well uh, all through last year during its festival run. Uh, won 16 awards, including Best Director, Best Hair and Makeup. Uh, mm. Most of them, yeah, m- most of them are uh, uh, honorable mention awards. Uh, but there were, were a few really good ones that we got, like those those two that I mentioned. Uh, the second one is called Masquerade, and it is um, it's in the festivals right now. It's been in the festival circuit for about f- six weeks now, and it is doing amazing. It's it's won eleven awards. Uh, five, it's won best horror short five times. Uh, it's it's won best director once, best acting once, and best screenplay once. And actually, next week, uh, we're going to Atlanta for the uh, Days of the Dead Horror Film Festival and Convention. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we were uh, uh, selected and nominated for Best Story with Masquerade. So that's really exciting. That's it's my first time awesome. attending a convention like that um, as a guest. So That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And then uh, the third film in the series is called Lonely Echoes, and we are getting ready to shoot that in in may coming up this year and that's what the indiegogo um campaign's about um so my cast and crew they they worked for free on both alone and masquerade god bless them yes absolutely god bless them and uh the uh budget for alone was fifteen hundred dollars uh for masquerade we got just under four thousand and i can and, and, uh, I, and i can see it i've watched alone and i've watched mm-hmm. masquerade and I can see the the budget difference there. I enjoyed both of them, but you you can see and feel and hear the difference uh, in, in Masquerade, and so that just makes me more excited for for Lonely Echoes if we're gonna yeah, be, yeah, if we're we, gonna uh, up up uh, in this budget. We definitely uh, had a uh, had a big jump between the two films as far as uh, technical stuff goes, um, which was amazing. Um, but yeah, Lonely Echoes. I'm I'm trying. The whole goal behind the Indiegogo, like they, they all wanted to come back and 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 finish the, uh, finish the saga, uh, for free. But I just, I really, I really would like to pay them, and that's what the uh, Indiegogo is all about: is just to be able to pay this amazing, talented cast and crew, um, that have just been with me on this journey for the last two 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 years, and hopefully two more. Um, Absolutely, guys, you got to check out the Indiegogo. Help out. A horror filmmaker. Otherwise, they are going to kill this man if he does not pay them soon. <laughs> uh, so, like I said, I, I've seen Alone, I've seen Masquerade, and we're going to talk Lonely Echoes here. But uh, for for Slasherville residents here who haven't seen them just yet, what's uh, what's the log line and the, like the little pitch for each one, Alone and yeah. Masquerade? I'm sure you're used to doing this. Absolutely. So uh, I have a couple of them actually. Uh, for Alone. Um... It's a, it's about this drifter or this loner who's who's just down on her luck and she's she's in this tough situation and she she meets a couple people who uh, just, one of them treats her terribly and the other one uh, helps her out and 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 all all three of these characters it's a small cast uh, all three of these characters are all alone in their own way um, just dealing with their own different stuff and uh, after these meetings that they have uh, n- none of them are are the same again. And that's pretty much the log line or the, yeah. the pitch for it. I'd, I'd say that's good without being too, you know, going into spo- yeah. spoiler territory. 
Because yeah. both films take take a turn. I, I enjoyed Alone. Uh, I thought the acting was pretty good. The the ladies did a did a very mm-hmm. good job in that. I, I, yeah, that's uh Samantha M. Shaw and Marilyn Knapp. They they uh, like I said, man. There's so so much talent here here. I'm sure there's talent everywhere, but uh, man, here in Arkansas, there's so much untapped talent that is just under under. I don't like to to use the word undiscovered, but um, just. I, I got extremely blessed and lucky to find uh, not only those two actors, but then we get to masquerade and, and there's Olivia Disney playing Sylvia Darnell just yeah. blows it out of the freaking water. Yes. And, uh, I th- yes. and holy shit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. You need keep, yeah. Keep, keep all of them around, but make sure she doesn't <laughs> go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, and then, and CJ Bernard, who, uh, who plays Anton also did an amazing job in, in Masquerade. Yeah. The, I mean, the one thing I've got going for me is the acting and, and this entire series is, 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 up uh, is top notch. And, and, uh, Char- Charlie Brady's my director of photography on all of these and he's fantastic as well. So, I mean, I feel like we're doing pretty good. <laughs> and, and like I say, I, I did enjoy Masquerade quite a bit. What, what's your log line or pitch for Masquerade for, for Slash? So Ma- Masquerade is about a international uh, supermodel, Sylvia Darnell. Uh, she, she likes to do these, uh, like she, she kind of gets tired of her, uh, of her fame. And she, and she likes to do these anonymous online blind dates and uh, th- this particular one, this guy comes over and, and she's has him over for dinner. And um, very quickly, you realize that neither one of them are who they presented themselves to be online. And that that's uh, that's pretty much the log yes. line for it. Once again, without going into spoiler <laughs> yeah. territory. And I yeah, I, I really enjoyed the chemistry uh, in Masquerade. I thought the actors and actresses uh, really gelled well together and and i can see because alone was first right and then masquerade yes. yeah um mm-hmm. yeah you can see you can see the difference uh, not just in budget but acting wise i think uh you got a hell of a lot out of your performers there uh i don't know you, you there's probably some growth you know yourself there i don't know how, how you mm-hmm. feel about absolutely. that absolutely yeah. um and that's that's exciting so yeah you're, you're moving up and that's the direction yes. you want to go <laughs> yeah um i got a couple questions for you actually hit um, me did you watch both of these films through the credits to the end all the way through that like the end end credits i yes, don't believe so yes there's surprises there huh yes yes you... i'm a huge post-credit <laughs> fan i love them so any movie that says jason pitts on it you might want to watch all the way through the credits there we go <laughs> so everyone every, everyone listening right now Yes. Don't mess up like I did. Watch all the way through the credits. <laughs> and there's no excuse. This isn't like a three-hour Batman movie where I was like, I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thirty-seven minutes for Masquerade. Yeah, and uh, you know we're we're uh, we're world building with these movies too. So yeah, it seems that there's way. little little ties and stuff. Uh, kind of took the Marvel approach, put some little Easter eggs and stuff, kind of alluding to the next film and in, in the in the post credits and stuff like that on both both movies. So um, that, and that kind of leads to Lonely Echoes. Is it Lonely yes. Echoes or Lonely Echo? It's Lonely Echoes. Lonely plural. Echoes, plural. Yeah. Um, is that the feature, or is that a short? Are we building to a it, feature? It's 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 not a short. I mean, I'm sorry, it's not a feature. It it is it is a short. Um, okay. It may end up being about an hour long, which is a feature. Um, so my original plan with this is was to make four four films in this saga 
and um, they all tie together. Um, Lonely Echoes is when the two storylines from Alone and Masquerade start to merge together. Um, there's a lot going on in it. Um, it's uh, both Alone and uh, Masquerade were 22 pages long, and Alone ended up being 32 minutes, and Masquerade ended up, be- ended up being 37 minutes. Uh, the script for Lonely Echoes is 39 pages. Interesting. So I'm. Yeah, I'm thinking it's probably going to end up being in the 50 to an hour range, which would make it a feature. Why do you, um, why do you my, think, and I hate to interrupt you, sorry. Um, why, why, you know, the old the old rule, you know, one page is one minute, give or take. So the opening the opening, the opening scene um, takes a couple couple minutes on, on page. It's uh, it's like a half paragraph. You know, she, she makes tacos. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Uh, <laughs> that takes some time. Yeah, 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 it takes some time. Uh I don't know. You said you didn't watch through the credits. There is, there is, there's in Masquerade. There's a mid-credit scene and then a and then a post-credit scene. Now the mid-credit scene wasn't scripted. It wasn't in the script, and it's pretty. It's kind of long. It's about three minutes long. So, um, uh, that's. I mean, uh, th- that that rule is 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 really just a guide. Oh, it's yeah, not it's, really a rule. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's it's never it's never exactly one. I was, I was just page. wondering why why it was different for yours, because those ta- right. those tacos you don't want to get you know salmonella. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, just dialogue scenes they take a while you know, and uh, I don't like to rush rush through them because I mean you can have a you know just I I, I tell my actors I was like take your time feel feel the emotions that the characters are are, are feeling, you know um, don't just like just don't just rush through the lines and just read read them these dialogue scenes got to have the impact that we are intending. So I love putting over horror filmmakers like yourself and your, your cast and crew. We talked about, uh, yeah. uh, the actress who fucking nailed it. Who's, who's doing special effects over there specifically for masquerade. Cause there, there is some, some knife play I'll say without getting, you know, yes. and I'm like, Ooh, yes. it, was, it was good. <laughs> it was good stuff. Who's, who's over there. So, um, the special effects for Masquerade were done was done by uh, uh, Chuck Mir. Um, he's actually an uh, an actor, um, but he also dabbles in, in special effects. Uh, he's he's from Fayetteville, Arkansas, and he actually has a very very popular YouTube channel uh, with I think with like hundreds of thousands of, of followers and stuff. It's called Zombie Go Boom, and he just sets up these zombie dummies and fills them with blood and just beats the crap out of them with various weapons and people love it nice <laughs> but yeah he uh he, he was he was excellent uh and also he had uh, uh another another uh another friend of mine uh named Kay rascon as his assistant helping him out and she did she did most of the eyeball uh scene <laughs> <laughs> I love, that's a fun sentence yeah she did most of the eyeball scene did most of the eyeballs? Are, are they are they are they involved with uh, Lonely Echoes here? Um, uh, Chuck is not. God, um, come on, Chuck. Yeah, um, but uh, K K is going to be uh, on the crew of, awesome. of Lonely Echoes. Awesome! Can't get them all every time. Um, our 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 new uh, I don't want to say new, but um, our special effects person for Lonely Echoes. Um, her, her name uh, her name is uh, Sayla, and she she actually. Uh, I did a Friday the 13th uh, fan film as well last October, 
It's called Voorhees Night of the Beast. I mean, I don't. We're gonna okay. get. We're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, she she did the special effects on that, and she's back on board. Awesome. Uh, on on the team with Lonely Echoes. That's 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 great. Yeah. Um, so alone leads us to Masquerade, which leads us leads us to Lonely Echoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have a log line or, or pitch for Lonely Echoes? Yeah. So uh, Lonely Echoes is about a detective. Um, her name is Kim Spencer. And uh, she is looking for her twin sister who has disappeared in this uh, small rural town. And in her investigation, she uncovers many dirty secrets that this town has been hiding. Mm. I like it. It's exciting. And I'm doing I'm doing all of these. Uh, one of the concepts behind the what the reason I'm doing these four films, um, it is I wanted to do each of them in their own uh, different. Even though I'm telling like one overarching story, I wanted to do each of the films in their in their own different like subgenre of horror to kind of show people what me and my team can do. Uh, you know, showcase our our, our talents. And alone was um, the psychological horror film kind of like misery or or yeah. psycho I, yeah i could de- um, i could definitely see that masquerade we did in in uh the vein of uh the home invasion slasher film uh like like the strangers or you're next and mm-hmm. then um lonely echoes is going to be like uh the investigative uh horror film kind of like uh silence of the lambs or seven nice so, yeah, check out this indie here. There's a fourth one, and it's I have it scripted. I have it. I have it planned out. It's called Unmasked, and it is the one where everything comes together, and we end we end the whole thing, and uh, everything gets resolved. Um, nice. All the characters meet, um, whatever their endings may be, whether they survive or not, or whatever. Um, but um, and uh, hoping to shoot that either in October of this year or October of next year. It's got to be October. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. I think we might know why. That's yeah. that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, so, and people can find the Indiegogo, uh, Lonely Echoes. They just got to search that, right? Yes. And that's pretty yeah. easy for them. All right. Oh, that's good, good. Good. Some really good perks, too. Uh, there's one scene at the end of the film where we need a lot of extras, and there's a perk for uh, being a featured extra. Um, for for that scene, um, I mean, you'd have to be able to travel here, um, but uh, in Arkansas, but that, that that's a pretty cool perk. Um, that is a good perk. There's a bunch of yeah. So let's talk about Voorhees Night of the Beast. Absolutely, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> you know, I am a podcast professional, so I'm doing my research, I'm doing my diving, and I see mm-hmm. you're a producer of a, of a film here called Voorhees Night of the Beast, which. <laughs> Looking into it, seems like it's Jason Voorhees versus Bigfoot, while also featuring a young Creighton Duke. Am I wrong? That is correct. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You and are I, correct. And I never thought about it. I'm sick and tired of Jason Voorhees over here going one on one against people. <laughs> so no contest. He needs yeah. he needs to fight cryptids. He he needs to fight Bigfoot. He needs and, to fight some Sasquatch. And you and I mean Creighton Duke. That's just the cherry on top. Uh, Creighton yeah, Duke's a, yeah. a favorite here in Slasherville. My co-host. Jim. Oh man, I love I love uh, I, I love aspects of Jason Goes to Hell. That's why I wanted to do this. Um, 
like there's a huge disconnect between part eight and part nine right it's just like like what the hell happened Mm -hmm. uh like all of a sudden he's this demon thing um and one of my goals with this film is to kind of bridge that gap uh kind of um dig into some lore of, of 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 how jason became this this demon thing and uh and obviously in in uh in Jason goes to hell Creighton Duke had some previous encounter with Jason that is never explained in the entire in the series. I know I know the uh uh the director of the film said that there was a deleted scene and he's been, done interviews where he talks about uh Creighton's um previous encounter with Jason, but uh it never made it into the film so it's not canon so I can do whatever I want with it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, young Cretan Duke, uh, we show his first encounter with Jason, why he knows so much about Jason, uh, all that's explained, um, how Jason goes from what he is in part eight to what he is in part nine is explained. Um, we also have, uh, do you remember the scene in part six, um, with, of the two kids hiding under the bed? Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. So one of the main characters in Jason, I'm sorry, in Voorhees, Night of the Beast, is one of those kids. That says, uh, we're, dead, we're dead meat. Yeah, we're dead meat. Yeah. Um, what What were you going to be when you grew up? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's one, one of the main characters in, in, in this film is one of those kids grown up dealing dealing with, with the nightmares and the post-traumatic stress from, um, from that experience. And... Uh, you know, Jason just massacring all of his counselors and stuff. Nice. And this yeah. uh, Voorhees Night of the Beast is coming out. What's 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 the story there? So it's a fan film, so we can't we can't uh, we can't make any any money off of it. We can't we can't make it for profit. Sure, and but you we, can we send just, it right to me though, so I can watch. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. We we can make it for love. Out of love is. I mean, we love we love Jason. We love the franchise, and we love horror. So that's why we did it. Um, but we are planning on um, launching it on YouTube on Friday, uh, May thirteenth. That's awesome. That and yeah, very fitting, of course. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and these these fan films can be f- fucking great, and especially yeah, yeah. with the Friday Thirteenth franchise. You know, some folks have done done it already, um, and with all the lawsuits and legal nonsense that they're dealing with, you know, over there. So, I mean, who's who else is going to do it? So yeah. we're, we're gonna have to do it, and that you know what, we, that's we, fine. Yeah, the fan, the fans took over the franchise. No and doubt. I hope, and I hope they see it. Like we should probably get this legal shit straightened out because they're making <laughs> Bigfoot versus Jason movies. Like we need to, we're leaving money on the table. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jason, what's your favorite Friday the Thirteenth film? Uh, I love Part Six. Ooh, um, okay. Part Two is a close second for me, gotcha. but I love. Uh, I just, I don't know. Part Six just had a style to it that none of the others had um it looks it looks great sounds great um characters are very relatable um even though they're a little over the top but um you know i i, I like part six i love i love amy Steele's character in part two yes um, strong. um one, strong. my favorite my favorite probably my, my favorite um final girl of all time Definitely, um, at least in, at least in that franchise, I'd say. Yeah, the, yeah, you'd have to give it the to the psychological her. aspect of it. I, I wish they had done a little bit more with it. Um, and they but, never brought her back. I know. So weird. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> let's mosey out of here. Where where can people find you? Where can people 
support you and these projects is the the big finale here, Jason. Uh, I'm on I'm on Facebook. I'm a big I'm I'm kind of old. I'm 40 42 now. Uh, I'm a big Facebook guy. I'm learning. I'm trying to figure these other things out. Uh, but I, I'm on I'm on all of them. Uh, but I, I use Facebook the most. I'm on Instagram. Uh, Jason Pitts. I'm on uh, Twitter. It's uh, at Jason Pitts, and uh, but mostly Facebook. Awesome. Uh, support Jason. Support these projects. Get on that Indiegogo. Uh, throw what you can. There's some. Yes. There are some good perks. I did see the the perks. Uh, there was like a script sample things like that yep. pages. Uh, so there's definitely some fun perks. And if you live out there, just be in the fucking movie. How about yeah, that? Yeah, come be in the movie. Come be in the movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely support these horror filmmakers. Jason, thank you so much for being in Slasherville. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was a it was a blast. I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed that little interview with Jason. Uh, check out his Indiegogo. Give it a watch. See if it's something you want to support. Throw him a couple bucks. Get in the movie. Get some script pages. Do what you got to do. We got to help promote these horror filmmakers and these horror movies. We need more. There's never enough. I need more every day. So uh, check out that Indiegogo. And plugs on our end. You know what I'm going to say. Patreon.com slash slash reveal pod. Uh, I'm putting more and more random drops on there. We've got a great movie breakdown coming up here. It's Leprechaun because it's fucking St. Patty's Day coming up. So Leprechaun's coming up here for you. So get on that Patreon and follow us on the socials. Everything's at slash reveal pod. But that is going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for being here. I'm Creighton Duke. <laughs>